Welcome to Short Course, episode 48, for February 8th, 2019. I'm your host, Ben Barry. This past weekend, I shot the Sir Walter Gun Club USPSA match, which is one of the oldest, biggest USPSA matches in the area, and it was it was a very interesting match for a lot of different reasons, and I wanted to walk through the different stages and talk about them just because I think there's it's there's almost a different lesson to be learned from every single one. So lots of lots of interesting takeaways from this match that that I thought I would run through. Now, if you want to see the match video from this match, it'll be in the show notes of this episode, and you can also go to youtube.com slash BenBerryUSPSA and subscribe there if you want to see the the current videos and, and any of the old ones. But if you are coming to this after the, the week that it airs, just click the link in the show notes and it'll it'll take you to the blog post that I wrote with some of the similar conclusions in text form, but I thought I would have more time in the in the podcast to go deep into some of these topics. So to set the stage for this match, uh, first of all, this was my first match in almost three months. I'd shot one indoor weeknight kind of outlaw match with a Glock 17, so not, not even my main competition gun had been taking it very not seriously. I'd had two one-and-a-half practice sessions, depending on how you count it, live fire this year, and sporadic live fire or sporadic dry fire, let's say. But the week before I did get in three dry fire sessions, which, which was pretty good. I felt (laughs) in each of those, I felt significant gains just coming back from, uh, from just being out of practice. But by the end of it, I was feeling pretty good, feeling pretty tuned up. And as you'll see by the end of it, uh, my gun handling was just fine. It, It came back. All right, but we'll get to that at the end. So, this club match has always been a pretty big match. It's actually the first club match that I've ever shot, and it happens to be at the range that I'm now a member of, so it's it's my home range. So I try and make it every month. But I'm very sensitive to the fact that this club match is not a typical club match. So first of all, the, the match is capped at 120 shooters. Most months, the match will fill up, but come match day, there, there would be somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 shooters. But for whatever reason, at this match in February of all times, usually it picks up when the weather warms up, and it wasn't it wasn't frigid, but it wasn't particularly pleasant uh, on this this first weekend in February. This particular time, the match was full, and there were actually guys who'd showed up who didn't have a slot who were hoping that someone would no show so they would get to shoot. And so I think the the final count of people in practice score was 116 shooters divided among seven squads, which is it's a lot. It's a big match. I think there were six grandmasters, three three in limited, one in open, one in production, and one in PCC, something like that. So lots of talent. I think over ten masters across all the divisions. So I mean, you if you looked at this sideways, you could you could be forgiven for mistaking this as a as a sectional match somewhere else in the country. They ran they run every month. They run eight stages where usually one, two of those, one is a classifier paired with a, a speed shoot and then six other medium or long field course type type setup. So uh, <laughs> pretty elaborate match for a club match. So I think this this actually, in on reflection, is actually one of the reasons that I tend not to emphasize traveling for matches as much as as I'm, as you might in other parts of the country, just because there are legitimately excellent club matches, almost halfway to a, to a level two or a state match. Uh, there, there's a, there's a couple of those within, within driving distance. And so 
this is actually one of those unusual areas. You know, I've heard people mention this area, Arizona, around the, the Rio Salado area, Atlanta, parts of California. You know, there, there are certain hotbeds of competition around the country. And I don't know how, how we stack up to them, but certainly around here, it, it's it's very nice to have very nice matches and, and very tough stages, different flavors, not a lot of stand and hose type stuff. So I, I certainly appreciate that. And, and that sort of sets the context for this match. So we actually started on stage eight uh, at the all the way at the one end of the range and then went back to stage one and, and cycled all the way through. The, the geographic layout of the range is that all the so the first four stages are together at the bottom of the hill. The the first four bays, which are the first four stages this time. Stage five is sort of in the middle of the hill, and then there are two bays at the top of the hill that had the three last stages, six, seven, and eight, set up up there. I usually park down towards the bottom of the hill near near those other stages, and then walk the stages from one all the way up to eight. And that's what I did this time. And knowing that we were starting on eight, I'd brought all my stuff. And so as I'm walking up, I'd already walked all the other stages, but I knew I was going to be hanging out on eight because that's the the one where we were starting on. And there were people there that I hadn't seen in months. And so I started talking and I walked through the stage a little bit. I, I saw the round count. It was honestly, again, legitimately an excellent stage. It was a very sort of Ipsicky inspired medium course. It was 21 rounds. It was the the most common stage plan broke down into seven, seven, and seven, I think, from kind of three positions. But they, there were a number of targets that were available from more than one position, and they were very spread out, very sparse. The, the closest targets were maybe five yards, but most of the targets were 10 to 15, and they were all wide open IPSC targets, as they're now known. No, no, more, no more metrics and classics, just IPSC and USPSA, now that, now that we've got the 2019 rulebook. But anyway... It was, it was a lot of spread out targets, no two targets right next to each other. And you could see multiple targets from multiple positions, but, you know, walked it through, you could run the stage left to right, right to left. There were, there were two different start positions and I walked it through and I came up with my stage plan and my plan was to step in, shoot five, take a little half step, shoot four, reload, shoot three, reload, run to the end and and shoot seven. The problem with that is that's only 19 rounds and I didn't actually walk that through. I kind of thought, okay, five and four, reload three, reload seven. And I knew that it was roughly the right number of rounds. It had roughly the right number of reloads. And and the numbers kind of added up to be in the right neighborhood. But I didn't actually walk it through and do the math because I was too busy catching up with my buddies. And it was the first stage of the day. And I, I'm pretty used to the fact, having a name like Ben Barry, pretty much every match that I go to now uses practice score. And, and most of the matches around here have it set up so that the tablets are left on the individual stage. You don't take the tablet with you from stage to stage. I, I assume the reasoning being if you lose one tablet, then you just throw out that stage. You don't lose all the scores for a particular squad, which makes sense on its face. But around here, we've learned that that means that you should pick a, an order that you can take with you from stage to stage, which unfortunately means you can't pick random. Uh, for whatever reason, certainly computationally, practice score could implement a random function that was consistent from tablet to tablet based on some kind of deterministic randomness, but they don't. And so we tend to just go with either alphabetical by first or last name. Either way you slice it, I end up being first almost always. In this particular case, the I actually was second, 
there was a, another guy whose first name started with A that that shot before me. And I actually don't remember what I was doing while he was shooting. I didn't watch him shoot. I If I had, I probably would have seen him shoot a target from somewhere that I wasn't expecting to shoot a target from, the one that I ended up missing when I when I ran the stage. Uh, but I didn't watch him. I think I was just I think I was just uh, chatting chatting with my buddies. And so step up to the line, go shoot, had a good run, had a pretty good raw time. And then as I'm walking down, I look over and there are a couple guys pointing at a target and I'm thinking, you know, why are they pointing? And then they say, you, you, you missed this one. It's like not missed as in shot at and didn't hit. It was as in didn't shoot at at all. And you know, that's just, that's just laziness. It was just complacency. That was, I, so that was the first time that this is the second match I've ever had an FTE in. The first match that I took an FTE in, I actually had two of them in the same match. And my only excuse was that I was running on about three hours of sleep and it was a, it was a fairly large match. It was a level two match. I think it had something like 10 stages and I, I was just, I was just zapped. I wasn't up for it. I, I probably shouldn't have, have shot the match, but I did. And I, I took, I, on two separate stages, I took FDEs, which was a big gut check then. But this is the, this is the, the second time it's ever happened. And the first time that I would say that I, I legitimately have no excuse. I, I was prepared. I had breakfast. I slept well the night before. It was just, it, it, I just got distracted. Just laziness. Uh, just not taking the match seriously enough. And the, so, you know, the sport just kind of whapped me upside the face and said, Hey, take this seriously or bad things happen to your score. And, and that happened. So not the, not the end of the world. I, I definitely will say I, there, there was a time when I think that would have hit my, my mindset a lot harder. And I would have, I would have started a downward spiral that would have gotten a lot worse as it was part of it was the fact that I was like, oh yeah, okay. Like it's, it's just a club match. It's my first match back. And also I just, I knew that it was going to be a long day. There were going to be seven more stages to shoot and you can't let one hiccup early on completely sabotage you. You just put it behind you and, and shoot the rest of the stages as best you can. And so that that's what I did. So when we walked down to the bottom of the hill and started on stage one, well, first of all, I designed this stage. I've been designing one stage a month for, for the Sir Walter match. Uh, for a couple months now, and it, it's been interesting, sort of getting my my feet under me and and getting a sense of what a design in SketchUp translates to be like in real life. And this was this was, I think, the the best stage that I've done so far. And I explicitly designed it, trying to keep things very open and and have uh, have the most possible options for for how to run the stage. And this is in a a fairly small bay. I think it it's like. 10, maybe 15 yards deep, maybe 15 yards wide, concrete walls on either side, and all the rounds have to go into the back berm. So it's it's a bit like designing a stage for an indoor range in that respect. So you can't really have a lot of long diagonal shots. You there's a there's a plate rack in the middle that you can't put targets right up against, you know, because they don't want it shooting the, the shelter. And so it's it's a it's an interesting challenge in that it's a fairly constricted stage. In a fairly constricted space, but I ended up designing the stage where you basically started. There was a barrel in the middle of the shooting area, and there were a group of targets visible all the way from the left, visible all the way from the right, and some sprinkled around the middle. And the the middle of the the stage where you started, all your mags were on the barrel, but your your gun was holstered, unloaded. 
it was a 22 round stage. And the idea was you could start uprange of the barrel. You could start downrange of the barrel. Either way, you had to start touching the barrel. So grab a mag, stow a mag, load the gun, load as you're moving. The The stage, if you were going to, to shoot it, it flowed well enough to just go all the way to one side and shoot left, middle, center, or left, middle, right. I think that's that's how a lot of shooters ended up going, but I definitely saw some other plans because you could you could start right in the middle and take the targets in the middle and then load running to the left and then load running to the right. It was a, it was a pretty interesting stage. I think it it worked out well as a stage. I saw a lot of people run it a lot of different ways, which for me I think is is pretty interesting. I'm I'm fairly proud of that as a as a stage designer to come up with something that actually provides the ability for people to play to what they think their strengths are or take advantages that they perceive to be there or not. One example of this is I, so I ended up starting uprange of the barrel because it was 22 rounds. I knew I would need a total of three mags to, to finish the stage. So I decided to start by drawing the gun, sticking a mag in, and then grabbing two more mags, stuffing them in my pouches as I moved all the way to the left of the stage, then rack the gun after I had those two stowed. And then by that time I would, I would be, I could see the, the left side of the stage, shoot those targets and then move to the middle reload, shoot the middle, and then move to the, the right side and reload and shoot there. And the idea being, and this is something that uh, Ben Steger talks about, if you can get all the kind of funkiness of the stage, all the prop manipulation out of the way early, then after that, you, you just, you're just shooting. If, if you have to spend a little bit of time stuffing the mags in your pouches, but then the mags are in your pouches and you're just drawing them just like normal, to me, that's, that's an advantage. And for example, even, even if I had the option to use something like a magnet, to me, the the ability to it takes a little bit longer to stow the mag versus sticking on a magnet. But I like the idea that when I need to go, when, once I'm actually in the flow of shooting, my reload is exactly the same. I'm not having to to pull the mag off the magnet differently. Now, you know, if I shot open or limited and I used a magnet, maybe I would I would practice a lot more in dry fire picking the mag off of it. But in in the context of having the mag uh, the magnet available to me when I was shooting the IPSC nationals. It just, it was too different. It was too much to train with. So I never really messed around with that. But anyway, all that aside, where this stage went a little bit sideways for me and the thing that, that I want to remember is the the first part of, of my plan where at the buzzer, so you, you had to start both hands touching the barrel. It didn't say where, you just had to have fingertips somewhere of each hand on the barrel. At the buzzer, I drew the gun with my right hand and picked up a single mag with my left, put it in the mag well, didn't rack the gun yet. And then with the left hand, I was going to grab two mags, stack next to each other, and then stick them in my double alpha racer pouches, which one of the things that I like about them is that they are very easy to insert mags into, just the way the the, the front is lower than the back, and the, the back sort of has this bevel to it, and the spacers have a bevel on the top, so it, it acts a bit like a, a funnel. So I find them very easy to, to stow mags in, and that's that, that's all still true. But what got me was I was I was being careful and deliberate inserting the magazine, and as soon as I got that magazine seated, then it was then my hand just just shot out to grab the the two mags off the barrel, and wouldn't you know it, I knocked them over, and so I kind of had to to gather them back up, and and I wasn't leaving position as fast as I was hoping I would, and I was trying to stuff these mags, and then for the rest of the stage I had this oh no I'm I'm behind sense of pressure. And I think it just got in my head and I ended up, I didn't, I didn't go totally crazy. I mean, none of the shots were particularly hard. The middle section had a, had three half scale minis, which I, I got decent points on, but 
I think overall for the stage, I was uh, 15 Alpha, 6 Charlie, 1 Delta for a total of 85% of points, which for the fact that none of the targets were more than 10 yards away is, I mean, that's just unacceptable. And I just, there was just this feeling that I was, I was already on this sort of (laughs) out of control run. And all I could do was just try and keep up. And really what I should have done, well, first of all, I never should have tried to grab those mags so aggressively. You know, I was very smooth drawing the gun out of the holster and picking up the mag and trying to insert it because I'm used to doing that gun manipulation smoothly. But then there was just something about when it was go time to, to grab those two mags off the barrel, even though they were just sitting loosely on the barrel, not particularly anchored and just very easy to slide away. Uh, you know, I just, I went, I went as hard as I could and trying to go fast in that instance slowed me down more than it sped me up. Uh, one, one data point that I thought was pretty interesting is there was a, a buddy of mine that, that I shoot a lot of matches with, Jarrett, who shoots single stack, and he runs the double alpha single stack pouches bullets out, which I would say is is certainly a little bit harder to to stick magazines into. First of all, because they're single stack pouches, so the the target is smaller, and second of all, you just don't have the 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 angle of kind of being able to hit the backboard, as I think of it on the on the double alpha pouch. You just it, it doesn't work in your favor quite as much when the when the pouches or bullets out. Now, there are other advantages to it to make up for that, but I was expecting it wouldn't be an advantage. It would it would be a bit of a handicap having the 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 bullets out pouches and having to stuff single stack mags into them. But he ended up picking a, a plan where he actually using the advantages of the single stack mags, the fact that they that they were smaller and he could fit more in his hand, he actually started by picking three up, stowing two, and then he didn't even draw his gun until the the third mag was the only one left in his hand, and then he inserted that one, racked, and shot. The other thing, I don't know how much of a a difference this part made, but he ended up actually, the way he looked through the stage, it flowed better going right to left, and so he was actually stowing as he was moving from the middle all the way to the right, and then was doing two right-to-left reloads, which typically speaking are going to be a little bit slower, and he still ended up being so he shot the stage in 17.5. I shot it in 19.1. So he was still 1.6 seconds faster than me just by being smooth. Even though he was picking up three magazines with one hand and stowing them in pouches that were objectively less convenient to stow in by just being more smooth and and not trying to rush that part of it, then he, he ended up edging me out by a, a pretty significant margin. I mean, that's almost 10% of the, the time right there. And 10% advantage on time is 10% advantage on hit factor. That's that's just the way the math works. So in my mind, I think the the lesson from this is not just the idea of what I what I said earlier about if you can get all the weird stuff in the stage, all the prop ma- manipulation out of the way early in the stage, do that. But also don't try and do anything particularly lightning fast with the prop manipulation. If you're opening a door, don't don't try and just grab the door and yank it. Don't try and use the minimum necessary force to pull it open. Be deliberate, be confident, and and guarantee a hundred percent completion, a hundred percent success at the task, even if it means giving up a little bit on perceived speed. Because it's probably not going to be all that much actually physically slower, and likely you'll have less waste time making up for any any problems that you might have caused. And so that that's a that's a sort of modification coming out of this stage that that I think I I learned honestly I, I was expecting to just be able to to pick up the mags and, and stow them and, and not have it be a big deal 
to to have sort of been humbled by my own stage was was a little bit ironic, but I, I certainly welcomed the lesson. And it's one of the reasons that I think it's good to throw in somewhat unusual challenges like this. Now, there definitely were plans you where you could have shot it without stowing any magazines. You could grab a mag load while you're going to the left, move back to the middle, reload off the barrel, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, so stowing a mag wasn't required, and certainly for the high cap guys, I, I think PCC and open guys just grabbed one mag and shot the whole thing, which is fine. That's you know, there's, there's nothing you can really do except make the round count crazy to, to make them reload. And that's not really the point of stage design anyway. But they, there were options. And it was actually, it was really cool how the different divisions also separated out their their plans fairly significantly. So that was that was my main lesson and takeaway from, from that stage. And I'm actually going to stop here because I want to do justice to each of these stages and, and go through what happened and describe the situation and, and do each one justice. So we'll we'll go through the other four stages of the match next week. In the meantime, that wraps up this episode of Short Course. Uh, I get questions from time to time about what gear I use, so I put up a quick rundown on my blog at barryshooting.com slash gear. I'll keep it up to date if things change, but I don't really see that happening a whole lot. I post videos from my matches at youtube.com slash benberryuspsa. My email is podcast at barryshooting.com. Talk to you next time.